SAFM with John Kriger. With John, 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 John Kriger. Maxi Priest on SAFM, English reggae singer, uh, close to you, released in July of 1990 from the album Bonafide. It reached number one in the US Billboard Hot 100, number two on the Australian Aria Singles Chart, and number seven on the UK Singles Chart as well. Makes you feel old. 1990. That's 31 years ago. Hmm? <laughs> and you're singing along like you know the words. You don't because you've forgotten them already. Okay, let's talk adventure. I love adventure. Uh, Wayne Bolton has launched his book, The Ride of a Lifetime. He rode 6,000 kilometers uh, across South Africa, connecting all 19 sand parks in 80 days. He did it for conservation and saving the rhinos, also recognizing the work of rangers. But let's find out why he did it. He joins us now. Uh, first of all, Wayne, congratulations on the book. Uh, thanks very much, John. And it's awesome to be on your show, man. Thank you very much. Uh, I love this. Uh, somewhere I read here... Um, it, 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 you were bored, bit of a midlife crisis. You decided, well, let, let's ride a bike for some time. Yeah, fake news, eh? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I suppose um, more of a midlife um, revelation, you know. It's a, a mm -hmm. moment of clarity. I just um, realized I had a choice, and to some extent I jumped out of the, the rut I was in and uh, realized I could do that and make a change. So I went to okay. a walkabout. Yeah. Let's start at the beginning. How, how did this whole idea begin? So literally that. I mean, I was actually sitting in in my man cave in Port Elizabeth, and I think it was just the – I've often thought about it. It's almost like a process of osmosis, I think, mentally somewhere along the line when you get to a point in your life where you think – you know, this chasing the pace at every month's end and feeling that you're not really doing anything significant mm. um, to make a difference it sort of catches up with you. And it, uh, it was almost uh, in in a matter of minutes that I, I thought, but do something about it. You know, do what is it that you want to do? Where where are you? So um, it's hard to actually put your finger on how that comes about, but I think it's mm. the sum total of of what's happened in your life before. And the hardest step for me was to actually then make a decision to say, well, I'm going to do something about it and to, and to act on that. Mm. Um, you know, life carries on. And I had uh, a business to run as well, so it wasn't that I could just opt out of life for 80 days and um, things would be okay. But I decided that if I really wanted to do this, I would have to find a way to do that. And that's really um, what, what triggered that. You know, so that was the start of the journey. Uh, had you ridden a mountain bike before? Very little. Um, <laughs> so, and, and in actual fact, I mean, I had been really inactive for about 13 to 15 years. I mean, I was really right. stuck in that corporate ground and uh, so w was questioning in myself whether I'd be able to to ride, <laughs> I had to really start from the beginning, uh, learn the art of, of riding a, a mountain bike and then um, try and plan the route. Because obviously I didn't want to just do something for the sake of, um, you know, of stretching myself. Um, I was really being pushed by a, a cause as well, which is rhino conservation. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've been an honorary ranger for for years um, at the Garza Field Guide qualified, although that's not what I was doing um, in terms of my business. And so it was a natural progression to say, well, 
here's a cause that you, this is, this is your opportunity to make a difference. Mm. And um, why not symbolically link all 19 sand parks reserves, something that hadn't been done before, and use it to, you know, to really showcase the work that the rangers are doing. Um, most of them are on a, you know, almost a battlefield. And um, and also to to raise the plot of of Rhino again, and uh, mm. I'm I'm really glad that we did that. Yeah, yeah. Wildlife has sort of taken a back seat since you know, the the human crisis has happened over the last year and a half. But and mm. and you know, there were a couple of bright days when we heard very little about poaching, but things are back again, aren't they? Yeah, they are in a big way. I mean, I think some of the revelations we've had of late, uh, you know, normally the poaching figures focus on the number of, of animals poached. Mm. Um, and, and now it's more sobering when you get the actual figures of how many how many rhino are left. Yeah. And you realize that in a place like, um, like Kruger, you know, in the last 10 years, you've had an absolute massacre and you've, you've lost something like, 60 to 70 percent of your hmm. your rhino in 10 years. So um, there's, there's even more of a need now um, to to press that home. And and this is the thing, you know, a decision that I made a few years ago to actually do this ride for for rhino conservation has now morphed into a, a non-profit organisation where Excellent. we're doing rhino work um, as well as work in the communities conservation communities on the border of parks um, on a more full-time basis. Um, it's, it's not something we're doing um, in, a, in, a, in a full-time basis ourselves. We've got a board of directors and more organization behind it. So it's really become something very constructive. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the rides. You, you say you symbolically joined the the parks but i'm just thinking of a country a map of south africa they're they're quite widespread from Khalakhari in the north to eastern cape parks kruger park in the east i'm sure there's something on the far west coast as well yeah yeah john so we decided um we would end in port elizabeth or in Edo. Uh, okay easier to ride home and uh <laughs> so started started in the northeast of the country in kruger at the Bafuri gate and so it started a tradition, really, where we would meet with the rangers, have a chat to them, thank them on behalf of the citizens, really, oh. um, for what they were doing. And we had quite a unique um, uh, you know, position in so far as we had three generations that were, were present. So I did most of the riding, but at times I was joined by our children. Um, oh. They were at varsity and sort of up and down. My wife, who, who was present the whole way as a support team, and um, our parents, when they could, um, they were present as well. And so there were three generations practicing responsible citizenship, and that was important for us as well. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the ride started at, in the northeast at Bafuri, and then we went to, to Mapungupwe, Marakele, all the way through uh, Johannesburg, down to Golden Gate up through um, Makala, Kimberley, um, Khalakhari, Khabis, and then all the way to the north, northwest, as you say, to Rifkesfeld. I won't go through all the parks and boy, but down you know, to Cape Town, mm. along the garden route, up to Karoo, and then by Mountain Zebra to Edo. Mm. So 
was a six thousand k ride. I averaged a hundred k's a day, sure. and I did that in eighty in eighty days. Yeah. Okay, uh, my my guest is Wayne Bolton. We're going to find out how he did that ride as well. I'm sure logistics were a challenge. We're going to find out what kind of conditions he rode in as well. I believe it was warm. Uh, Wayne Bolton, so I guess we're yeah. going to continue that chat in a moment. You are listening to Sport Tracks on SAFM. Wayne Bolton decided to ride many, many kilometers, 6,000 mountain bike ride around South Africa, getting all the sand parks together in 80 days. Wayne... What routes did you take? Were you always on comfortable tar roads on the highways getting to these places? Most of it was tar roads, um, John, but, you know, as soon as you start hitting your Kalahari area, or more mm. actually your Rista South, and then Namakwa, Tankwa, it becomes it becomes very bumpy. So a lot of those roads were corrugated. Um, and um, so I think there were about 400 k's of of off-road riding there, um, and then back onto the the tar. So mm. most of it was tar, but as I say, there were sections that were that were testing. Yeah, I've just done a road trip now from um, sort of Drakensberg kind of area, taking a couple of those passes, and yeah. I can't imagine what it's like on a bicycle with those trucks. Uh, we, we have such inferior rail now at the moment that uh, you know, we have to rely on trucks to move the goods around. That must be scary as everything. Yeah, it was. Hey, you know, I've, it, it's, it's one of the reasons why I ended up writing the book. I, I sort of wanted to actually just um, relay some of the, the stories and the anecdotes that, that I mm. face, and, and one of them is, is to do with that. It was, I had a couple of near misses. Um, you know, and it's it's our roads are not good here. Uh, it's, uh, when you, mm. when you're going quite slowly along along them, you you realise um, you know things that you didn't before, and uh, the litter, you know, the, the, the types of yeah. litter on the side of the road and so on. But the trucks, buses, and taxis um, were horrific in certain areas. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I, I was talking before. Again, I, I filled in in the early morning show. And I was talking about ahead of the long weekend, and I was moaning about how you know, head-on collisions. I know we're diverting away from what you're talking about, but I want to bring this in. How head-on collisions is just people that are, uh, yeah, they, they're trying to get to a destination too quickly, overtaking on a solid line. But then when mm. I was driving, suddenly there are potholes in the road, and you have to mm. drive on the opposite side of the road to avoid the pothole and destroying your car or your truck or whatever you're driving. And that could be yeah. the reason for accidents as well. I'm sure you must have seen yeah, the, the conditions yeah. of the roads are just so bad. Absolutely. And, and a lot of the roads as well, you know, the, the edge is crumbling and it's, it's, mm. Quite, mm. Um, it's quite a drop there. So to catch your tire on, on, on the end of the road or the edge of the road is also going to cost you money. So people <laughs> tend to avoid that and ride closer to the middle. Okay, and, so uh, speak. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little cyclist made of made of soft, mushy stuff on the side of the road. Yeah, Nobody really cares about. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. Obviously, livestock in remote areas. You got the sheep and the goats that must have had some fun there. But it was warm. Tell us about the conditions. Yeah, it was really it was really hot, John. I mean, uh, it was the hottest year in 103 years. And yeah. look, it wasn't clever to choose. December to ride in, but I was uh, I was forced to take as much because of the business. It was the uh, least uh, least risky uh, months to go in. But yeah. heading up towards Salahari, it was extremely hot. And um, on the on my bike thermometer at one stage, I picked up sixty degrees. 
Sure. Um, and obviously that's the heat coming off the, the tar. Mm. But it was crazy. I started actually getting burns on my legs. You know, not sunburn, but um, actually burns. So wow. had bandages on my calves and at, at places. It was really, very hot. Um, and I had to try and mitigate that as, much, as best I could. So you know, it was standard for me to get up at 3 in the morning and try and ride as much as I could in the dark. Um, Khalakhari, I got up at 2 in the morning because it was just so hot. So. I had to really try and, as I said, mitigate the adverse effects of the mm. of the temperature. Okay, so not only are you riding the dangerous roads and conditions, but you have to do it in the dark. Yeah. There were, <laughs> it, was, it was just one of, those, one of those challenges. And that was the interesting thing about the... The journey, you know, um, as I say, it was a it was a bit of a walkabout, and uh, mm. perhaps a, um, as you you said earlier, a midlife crisis. But it was almost a situation where the those eighty days represented a, a lifetime for me in a lot of ways, because um, with the ups and downs that you have in life, the adversity, and and you know, I discovered ways along the way things things that I actually knew I'd heard about in the past. Um, you know, typical inspirational talks or motivational talks that um, how to conquer adversity and so on. But you relearn them when you have to do it on your own and uh, mm. you're forced with certain physical challenges or mental challenges. And I had things going on back at home as well that I had to deal with. So there was, there were, there was a lot of stress involved and there were a lot of extremely joyful moments as well. So it was such an interesting experience for me that um you know you, you just think about your life and you put a lot of things into perspective and you come back differently and uh, as i say i wanted to put that down in in, in writing and have something which is a, a legacy for our kids as well that mm. they can they maybe take from when you start writing a book like this do you think i'm going to write a diary and write through the moments that i remember on day one and two and three and so on and and then it just sort of forms its own story yeah you know when i when i started writing um my folks and uh, i think it was my brother had given a a journal to me and which i took with me and i forced myself every evening no matter how tired i was to actually sit down and write a few thoughts and also incidents, things that had happened during the day. I kept a very close, mm. um, a very accurate record of the, the mileage as well in case I lost my computer. But <laughs> um, when I got back, I mean, I had a ton of notes. And um, interestingly enough, I started writing, you know, a, a couple of years after because I did another expedition in 2017. I wrote to Mozambique from PE joining the private reserves. And uh, so I wrote this book focusing on the first expedition, and a lot of the the specific days were actually still very clear in my mind. Mm, mm. Um, you know, when you do something that's that's significant, it sort of imprints itself on you. But I had my journal that I could I could refer to, and that formed the basis of um, of the book. But the, the expedition itself is just a vehicle for um, for a lot of musing and anecdotes. Um, so I tried to write it in a very light way, uh, humorous way, um, but using the expedition as a vehicle for some thoughts about life as well and how to mm. to go through um, difficult times like so many are at this stage. I ask this of every long-distance adventurer like you. It's like, was there a point where you were going to go, oh, forget it. I, I, I've done half of the parks. I'm okay. 
No, I've, to be honest, I never ever considered giving up. Um, I've got a strong mind, and I, there were times where I thought, is my body going to hold out? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was going through some intense stuff that it's almost like a wear and tear process. Every day you, you, you ride, it gets worse, and there were certain injuries that I started wondering if, if my body's going to last um, more than anything else. Um, but my mind, my mind remained strong. I just had to try and find ways to um, to cope with the with the stress of it, um, and you know, just to make sure that that I set shorter targets than the the full six thousand k's. Um, little techniques just to make sure that I actually got through mentally okay, um, and yeah, and found ways just to, as far as the body was concerned, um, just to to try and keep it going before it got into a, into a bad condition. So as soon as I started getting a, you know, a tweak that I knew was going to develop to try and deal with it early. Mm. But I never, uh, I never thought of stopping. To put, to put it in perspective, when, when somebody rides 100Ks in a day or, a, or a, in a race, they normally take the next day off. Even you know, a fit cyclist mm-hmm. will take the next day off for recovery, and then they'll do a couple of short rides, and then they'll go do 100Ks again next Sunday. You did it every yeah. single day for 80 days. Yeah, that that was the difficult part. Obviously, is the um, it was the mental thing, you know, that you had to get up again the next morning and do it all over again. And it's it's physical pain. At the, ultimately, you know, it's like a, a four o'clock or five o'clock in the evening. I, I would already start thinking, I've got to do this again tomorrow morning, <laughs> um, and then stop myself from being negative, and mm-hmm. and uh, and go on a positive route and say, you know how fortunate you are that you can do this. Right. You're seeing all 19 game game parks and and that change of attitude was just rewarding because, I mean, it was absolutely stunning. You can only imagine, I mean, going to all 19 parks and, and riding between. We've got such a magnificent country and magnificent people, you know. Mm. Um, social media is such a terrible thing in terms of <laughs> um, giving you impressions of people. And you mm. see sometimes the worst in it, you know. But when you're face to face on the road with people, and you're speaking to people on a one-to-one basis, it's wonderful. And you realise what South Africa really is like. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, I didn't do it on the bicycle, but I did that. I took a short left. Yeah, you, know, you always hear about that. I took a short left this last week, and there yeah. are places that you, you you know exist in the world, and you've read about them, and you stop and you see them, and you think like. I wish everybody could see this. I wish everybody would stop listening to the politicians sometimes and, and just look right. at what we have and realize where we are. It would change everybody's life. Yeah, absolutely. And we don't do enough of that. I mean, we, we tend to get stuck in the same rut I was talking about at the mm-hmm. beginning of this conversation. And we need to break away from it and give ourselves a little bit of mental respite and just look around every now and again. Uh, I want to talk about the family that that helped you through. You said your wife was with you all the time. The kids were there as well. Talk about how that helped you. Yeah, so um, we, we, I was quite determined to make this a, a family affair, as I said, because of the responsible citizenship that's required for rhino conservation. You know, we need ordinary people to move from caring to doing. And how do you do that? It's best to demonstrate it by getting your, you know, the unusual step of getting my family together as a support team. So um, my wife, Nikki, had the, the pain of, of driving 6,000 k's <laughs> at 20 k's an hour. <laughs> and uh, with, uh, you know, we had a, our support team that 
I tried to organise um, in such a way that they would have a break every now and again. As I say, our kids who were studying at, at the varsity in, in Port Elizabeth, um, they would they would come up and down, but mostly on the expedition, and then our folks as well, mostly with us. Um, but I did most of the riding, but there were some fantastic um, memories that I've got of riding with my children as well. Mm. Um, you know, that we, they, they were still getting fit and getting into it, but there were, there were times that I will forever treasure, you know. So, um, and, and your family is your team. You see, this is the thing that was, that also was, wasn't a revelation because I knew this, but it just entrenched that whole thought. Um, your family is your team. Your family gets you through um, these things and we, we've got to stand together as, as family units. Um, and I learned that over and over again. Okay, so the book is out now. I'm having a look at the reviews on your website. Maybe you delete the bad reviews, but uh, it seems to be positively, very positively accepted. Yeah, it has been, um, which I'm, I'm greatly relieved about. You never know if what you've you know written is going to be well <laughs> well received. Um, but but so far, it really seems like it has been. And um, you know, I've been I've been selling it um, online now ourselves so I've decided not to go into um, bookstores at this stage okay. because of the, the lockdown um, I didn't think it would be too a, a great idea at this stage except for Sam Park so Sam Parks have, have got it in their, their stores um, and uh, just gone in there now in the last week or two and obviously a strong link with Sam Parks um, so yeah, it's been it's been well received. I think it's it's in a lot of ways because it's just multi faceted. You know, it's not mm, mm. Um, it 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 meets quite a few needs because of the it's not just a, a book about uh, rhino or or cycling. It's about life and adventure, and I think people can relate to it, and that's why it's it's uh, being enjoyed. Uh, I finally found that sentence I referred to at the beginning of the story. It says here, uh, Wayne questions his significance in the doldrums of his middle years. <laughs> yeah. Have well, a talk to go. the publishers. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been great chatting to you, Wayne. Congratulations on the book, and I'm sure a nice little uh, stocking filler over Christmas is also a good time to start buying it now. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you, John. Can I just give a shout-out to yeah. the website so people can, go for can it. find it? I was going to do it now, but you can go ahead. Uh, okay, thank you. It's uh, quite simply www. Wayne Bolton. It's um, b o l t o n. dot c o z a, and you'll find out all the information there. So Wayne Bolton. dot c o z a. Another expedition you got planned? Seven thousand, ten thousand k's. Yeah, you know, I've I found uh, that it's you know for, for my past sins of doing the expeditions, it's coming back to haunt me now because the. Um, <laughs> The non-profit that we've got, we've tried to involve um, youth and and so on. And one of the the kids that that rode a day with me in the in the second expedition, uh, sort of wrote wrote me into coming to his high school. Now he's going to matric at Woodridge um, next year and wants to do something for Rhino as well. And so mm -hmm. it was, Uncle Wayne, we can just ride for a few days, okay? You know, this is the kind of thing I'm getting. So definitely there will be something on the go next year, um, but it, it will be more about the 
um, the awareness and um, you know and just harnessing some of the, the activities with the with the youth. And then um, I'd love to do something in Namibia as well, but I'm still mm. I'm still thinking about that. Yeah. I got plans. I got plans. Wayne, it's been good yeah. chatting to you. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, John. You too. Thank you. WayneBolton.co.za is the website, W-A-Y-N-E, and he's said in Bolton, B-O-L-T-O-N.co.za. You can read about everything you want there, home, background, expeditions, uh, who Ollie is, who is Ollie, uh, or what is Ollie. Also, you can find out about the book, top right-hand corner. It's a lovely little stocking filler, and you can go buy it online right now, WayneBolton.co.za.